0: You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Kurt Frostson, and you're listening to the Derek Diamond Experience. This is Derek,
1: Derek, Derek.
0: Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Diamond, Diamond. Diamond. Experience! Experience.
1: Hey what's up everybody and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of January 8th, 2015. I am your host Derek Diamond and unfortunately I have some sad news to kick off the show. By now you know that the Center anchor Stuart Scott passed away on Sunday morning uh, from a long, long battle with cancer and he was 49 years old and the way I found out was I got a I got an alert on my iPhone about him passing away from the Sports Center app and it was just sad. It was very very sad. I watched I've seen videos from Rich Eisen and Hannah Storm breaking the news on NFL Network and ESPN respectively and they they both had to fight back tears in order to announce this and just seeing the tribute that ESPN did, which was incredible, it was absolutely incredible, and it was very heart wrenching because someone who battled cancer for that long, and you know to see them succumb to it was it was sad. It was very very sad. But he, he was such a good anchor on SportsCenter. He he was so animated. And when he was talking, even if it was just the top ten highlights, you didn't have to see him to know that was him because he had a very distinct and unique style about him. And originally he got a lot of criticism for it, but he didn't change who he was, and he'll now be known as one of the most iconic sports center analysts in history. So my thoughts and prayers go out to his wife his kids and his friends and family and rest in peace Stuart scott and even more bad news there was a terrorist attack in paris today apparently over a uh... satirical magazine that did some kind of parody of uh... muslim religion and the actual magazine company was attacked by muslim terrorists and i believe twelve people were killed I don't know a whole lot about the story. I've just briefly read it before I started doing this open, but again, it's just sad, and it's completely pointless because it's it's a parody and yeah, we and at the same time we think of it as, oh, it's parody, people shouldn't take it that seriously, but you know some cultures do take stuff like that very seriously, and it is. It's just sad, and again, my thoughts and prayers go out to the victims and the families of the victims that were killed in this completely pointless tragedy. But on a lighter note, you may notice that the audio for this open sounds a little bit different, and it's because I'm recording it while I'm driving. And I know that's not the safest thing to do, and I don't suggest that anyone do this, but I've had kind of a strange day today. I've... Barely been home, and I just haven't had a lot of time to do it. And I'm actually on my way home from visiting family, I should be back at my apartment here shortly. And I figured, why not just do the open while I'm driving because it's an hour drive and I'll have plenty of time to do it. So, as far as stuff with me going on personally, as you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the day it comes out. I will be having a meeting with the Pensacon staff, and I can't really delve into exactly what it's about just yet, but I hope to have some good news on either the Nerd Cave this upcoming Tuesday or on this show next week about not just something that I'm doing, but it could be something big for the podcast, hopefully, so... We'll, we'll see what happens, but hopefully I'll have some good news next week for that. I went to GameStop this morning to pre-order a video game that I've been wanting ever since they announced it, which they haven't announced a release date yet, but I heard about this limited edition for Zelda Majora's Mask 3DS. And for those that know me, they know I'm a huge Zelda fan, so as soon as I heard about this limited edition, which is... It comes with the game and a little uh, statue of Skull Kid with the Majora's Mask, and those that have played that game know what I'm talking about. So I went to GameStop, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but when you ask a GameStop employee a question, you can tell by their facial expression before you even get the rest of the question out of your mouth what their answer is going to be. Because as soon as I say... Are you still taking pre-orders? This lady's face starts to cringe like, "Uh, I'm sorry. So I pretty much knew that the answer was no. But what's interesting is they weren't even taking pre-orders in store. You had to do it through the website. But they're already sold out through the website. So that sounded like a very Nintendo thing to do. And I think it's just weird that GameStop employees do that. It could just be me that notices that, but... I don't know. It's happened to me several times, not just here in Pensacola, but other GameStops as well. I don't know if it's you know, GameStop etiquette or if that's part of employee training. I'm really not sure. And as far as anything else that's going on with me personally, that's really about it. It's been kind of a, a strange week. I, I do start back with the Blue Wahoos on Monday, so that'll be taking up a lot more of my time. But... Still planning on doing this show and the Nerd Cave, so that'll be taking up uh, some more of my time. But still have some big things planned for this podcast and for the Nerd Cave that hopefully will uh will see it's that hopefully will come to fruition uh, in the next couple of months. And as far as news goes, the Ant Man trailer came out yesterday. And I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't exactly what I expected. I was thinking there would be something a little more comedic. Because it has Paul Rudd in it. And from what I've heard, this was supposed to be a comedic movie. But the trailer made it seem like a very serious movie. And there wasn't anything wrong with that. It just wasn't what I expected. But I'm curious to see what happens with it. It's not a very well-known Marvel property. But neither was Guardians of the Galaxy. And look what it did. So... Marvel can just do no wrong right now, and they've got a great cast for this movie. They've got Paul Rudd, uh, Michael Douglas at Hank Pym, I think is a great choice, and even Evangeline Lilly from Lost. And That show was huge in the mid-2000s, and since then, with the exception of doing the Hobbit trilogy, she's kind of fallen off the face of the earth, so it's good to see her back in a big-time role, and I'm curious to see what she does as well. But that movie comes out, I believe, in June or July. But I want to say July. And it's just one of the few big movies that are coming out this year. You've got that. You've got Jurassic World. You've got Star Wars in December. You've got Avengers, Age of Ultron, Mad Max. There's just so many good summer and even holiday movies. It's just kind of disappointing that Batman vs. Superman isn't coming out this year. Because if it were this might be the biggest summer of movies of all time. And I feel pretty confident in saying that. But the Ant-Man trailer premiered during the series premiere of Agent Carter, which is the newest Marvel TV show that focuses on Peggy Carter from the first Captain America movie. You might remember her as Captain America's love interest. And I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I have it on DVR, but from what I've heard, it was pretty good. A couple of people I know watched it, and they said it was good. So I do look forward to watching it and the return of Gotham that happened this past Monday. And I was thinking earlier, actually right before I started doing this open, that it's tough to rank all the new comic book shows that have come out. You've got Gotham, which is your crime drama. Flash, which is your typical lighthearted comic book show. Arrow is darker and more grounded in reality. And Constantine, which not a lot of people talk about, that show is really dark and deals a lot with the supernatural, but it's not really satanic, even though some people think that it is. And if I had to pick a number one, just because it really surprised me and it got no hype whatsoever, I would pick Constantine. Because everyone expected Gotham to be good. Everyone expected Flash to be good. And Arrow had a lot of momentum coming in from last season, which was really good. So everyone was expecting season three to start off great. But with Constantine, you didn't really hear anybody talk about it. So that's why I'm picking that as my favorite comic book related show right now. But that's really it as far as news goes. There hasn't really been a lot going on. It's usually kind of a lull period around the first of the year. So we'll get right to our guest this week. And it's someone who I actually met through social media. And he's a filmmaker named Kurtz Frawson. And you might be wondering, what does Frausen mean? Well, to kick off the interview, he actually explains the origin of his last name, which I thought was really cool of him to do that. And it actually has a cool meaning. But I learned about how he got into film and music because he's created his own films, created his own music, and he has a very strong work ethic from what I can tell, because in order to create all that stuff, you've got to have dedication, you've got to have passion, and you've got to have a great work ethic. So I think he has all three, and we even got to talk about Archer for a few minutes, which I thought was really cool, because I don't know too many people besides me and a couple of co-workers that watch that show. So that was really cool to do, and it was just an overall fun conversation. So I'll quit blabbering and we'll get to Kurtz Frowson here in just a second. But first, I want to talk about the Unicorn Wranglers and the release of their brand new album, Murder Mystery Night. It has 10 brand new tracks, including their new single, Carne Asada, and Twin Peaks, which happens to be the theme song of the Derek Diamond experience. Murder Mystery Night is available now on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And don't forget to check them out on social media. Like them on Facebook, their Twitter and Instagram handles are at you Wranglers. and last but not least, check out their website, unicornwranglers.com. And we're back on the Derek Diamond Experience with my very special guest this week, filmmaker extraordinaire Mr. Kurtz Frausen. Kurtz, how you doing?
0: Doing great. Great. Thanks for having me.
1: Good, good. Uh, we were talking uh, right before we started recording. Uh, what is the, the origin or the meaning of your last name? Because you were telling me it actually has a really cool meaning behind it.
0: Well, thanks. The Frau means, uh, is the German word for uh, woman, and then sun is the alchemical symbol for man. I spent about five years studying alchemy as a spiritual path, and uh, before I started to branch out into art and to music, I wanted to sort of redefine myself. So I took those two elements and combined them uh, on the alchemical path towards consciousness and understanding.
1: That's really cool. That's really, really cool. So where, where are you calling us from?
0: I'm um, right now in Dallas, Texas.
1: Are you from Dallas?
0: Uh, no, originally Connecticut. I moved down here about 95 to attend college, and then I just stayed after graduating.
1: Oh, okay, so what – I personally have never been to Texas. I, I don't know. Like, ha, have you done a lot of traveling?
0: Not a not a whole lot. I mean, you know, when you live in New England, you go to Canada. That's like going to the town over. It's not exactly travel. You know what I mean? It's like I, being in Connecticut I'd go to New York and Canada. I went to Mexico, but Cancun is hardly hardly a world experience. It's just basically a bad frat party. But um, <laughs> no, no I, I I've got family in the in the Midwest and, and the West Coast, uh, but I settled down in uh, in Dallas after college. Do you like Dallas? I do. I absolutely love Texas and I love living in Dallas. I wouldn't I wouldn't live outside of Texas. It's got it just everything's great about it. I mean, you know, every state's got good and bad qualities, but you know, any state that allows you to shoot someone if they walk into your house and you don't want them there. You know, I like good <laughs> castle laws.
1: That is true. Which
0: it's really nice when you know that if someone just walks in, you just pick up your twelve gauge, pump it, and look at him and go, Yeah, this is Texas, you're gonna die. Yeah. I mean, all the other states I was I was considering moving and I looked around and I'm like that was like the first thing. I'm like, All right, I'm gonna I'm am I'm a man, I'm gonna defend my territory and I wanna know what look around here. I'm like, Oh, you got you know, warning shots. Fuck warning shots. You don't have warning shots in Texas. <laughs> this guy was banging on my door, so I shot him. He was a Mormon. Well, you know, that he was disturbing the peace some just doing what I need to do. So the gun laws—that was
1: those were a major deal breaker for you.
0: Uh, I'm, I'm. I think the Second Amendment, and the First Amendment. I'm too, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm very passionate about. Typically, people are one or the other, kind of like uh, Elvis or Beatles fans. But uh, I, both of them, I'm. They're very important to me. But the First Amendment would be more important. But at the same time, I'm a firm believer in uh, defense and uh, personal responsibility. And so that's very important to me. I, I was raised around guns. I was shooting big guns by the time I was 12. I was, you know, AR, you know, I was wow. shooting M-16s and uh, AUGs, Austrian assault rifles, 357s. I moved from BBs and 22s in, in about a year to 357s and Colt 45s.
1: So you're, you're a, a master of the gun. <laughs> I,
0: I, I would say master, but I definitely love to shoot. It's just it's poetry, and it's I studied Zen also for about five years. So to me, it's like a Zen meditation pulling that trigger at the targets. It's just it feels really beautiful to me. So it, it's it's always been something I've been comfortable around. And my dad taught me uh, very important lessons about it, and we had a house full of guns, and it was about responsibility. And um, I learned a lot by doing that: cleaning the guns, taking care of them, maintaining them. And it was. Mm-hmm. One of those life lessons that starts out as something simple for a boy.
1: That that's really cool. So, besides guns, what were some of your interests uh, growing up?
0: Uh, I always I always went towards things that were a bit unusual and and different, and I never really never really fit into any particular mold. So I was always really comfortable in things that stood out from the crowd. Like, I mean, I remember, I, I grew up in a very uh, structured conservative home, but it was what I like to call Teddy Roosevelt-style uh, conservatism. It, it was sort of this libertari- liberty or death kind of passion, you right. know, personal responsibility and all the elements that come with that. So, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid. I'm 10, 11 years old, and I'm watching Gary Cooper in uh, King Butter's uh, Fountainhead. You know, I mean it's not that I had Ayn Rand jammed down my throat, but at the same time I was I was watching these uh, unusual film not unusual but different films my you know my dad's sitting down with me watching these and he says look you know look at Howard Rourke and look at the he's he's an independent man he's free thinking you need to carve your own road don't follow the herd I'm like wow okay cool and so you know sitting down and watching Apocalypse Now as a child and your dad's like you know this is the path to life and true knowledge you know it, it definitely sets the road for you my dad was the my mom's a wonderful wonderful woman I love her dearly she, she's more of the artistic side and my dad was more the uh, the logical, and uh, right. you know the road a man must take. He was a strong. He, he's a very strong figure for me. So he's he's someone I greatly admire.
1: Well, that's actually a good balance to have, I think, between parents.
0: <laughs> it is. It was a perfect balance. My mom was a uh, interior designer for years in London, and then my dad was a, a bond trader in New York. So we had the logical business side, and then you had the creative, expressive side. So. The two of them kind of influenced me, in, in a really—I mean—in a really great way. I couldn't imagine a better way to, mm-hmm. to be raised, not entirely, because that's my personality—not entirely artistic, not entirely logical. I have to allow for the poetic, you know, occasionally. Right. But I also have to go. Oh, shit! Oh fuck! I gotta pay bills. <laughs> so it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not one of those, I fucking hate those goddamn poets or those artists that sit around and they touch their foreheads like they have the vapors and they're just like, "Oh, I can't have a job. I'm a poet." I'm like, "Get the fuck off the couch and get a goddamn job." I just, I, I hate that laziness in art because art is, is is difficult and it's it's yes, sweat, it's yes. backbreaking. I play drums, and, I, I, and, and you know, I know about sweat and blood blisters and and lugging shit and having those shit jobs, you know, cleaning garbage bins and trying to kill rats in restaurants just so you can make money so that you can play that next gig. I mean, it's it, it's, it's it's very important to do that.
1: Yeah, so, I, I totally so. agree. I mean, it's, it's one of those things, like, I, I do video work myself, and sometimes I will take jobs that I may not necessarily want to do that I think are very, like, creatively stifling, but at the same time, it pays good money. And pays the bills, so sometimes you have to do that.
0: You do, yeah. I mean, I've done video work for you know, I've done video work for people that are attorneys that are you know, (laughs) you know, uh, bankruptcy attorneys. Well, that's probably the most boring. You know, there's no excitement. You can't. They don't want experimental, free thinking, groundbreaking. You know, unusual work. They want. You know, intro, outro, contact information. This is what I do. I'm board certified. Goodbye. I mean, so it's you sit there and you're like, oh, oh I'm editing this crap. It's so <laughs> boring. Yep. And it's like, I'm on the phone, though. And you're just sitting here and you're just like, oh, I cannot wait to work on that new project this weekend. So, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But yeah.
1: Uh, I, I totally agree. Mm. G- growing up, were you always like a big fan of film and music?
0: Yeah, actually, um, it, it was kind of funny cause I mean, I'm, I'm 39 years old, but my, my, uh, folks raised me on um, like classic film theater and growing up on Sherlock Holmes. And I remember just being a kid with my mom, you know, she'd go and drop me off at the pool, you know, for the day or something in the summertime. And on the way to the pool, she would be playing, um, you know, uh, theater old time forties radio. And I'd be listening to, you know, Basil Rathbone as Sherlock Holmes. And, it, you know, no one knows the shadow. And I mean, all these things I was, I was raised on the, this, the classic, and I, was, I, was re- I really admired that. And that's why today, you know, someone says, Who's the hottest woman in Hollywood? And I'm like, I don't know, Betty Davis? I mean, th- that's just my <laughs> default and I'm like, I don't know. Joan Crawford, I think, is fucking gorgeous. And Betty yes. Davis, just, I mean, <laughs> these are the women that I grew up admiring. It was like, you know, right. boys are reading play, and right? I'm sitting here. I'm like, I think I see Joan Crawford's nipple. This is fucking great, you know? And I. <laughs> And I'm like, no, seriously. So, yeah, I mean, then, I, being raised in an environment like that, and then, you know, I, I grew up listening to punk music industrial, and then I branched out and started looking for things on my own. And I had some really, I went to a private school in high school that was non-denominational. I had really eclectic teachers. So we were, you know, eighth grade and ninth grade, you know, we're reading this, like, you know, in really different literature and really they act out plays in the class. It was very artistic, you know, I mean, we had um, the. Do you remember the? Do you recall the Maplethorpe controversy that happened in the late '80s when uh, was it uh, Jesse Helms was talking about the you know disgusting national Endowment of the arts and all this? Yes, crap. yes, yes, yes. That that was that was a really big thing that was going on, of course. And I had a teacher, and I, I will never forget her. She brought in Maplethorpe's controversial book that came from the exhibit, and she's like, "Legally, I probably can't show you this, but I'm going to leave it in the top of my desk." And if I turn around and someone takes it, oh, well, I mean, so it was one of those, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this guy. He was a huge influence for me as Maplethorpe because I'm looking at his work and he's got these BDSM gay and this fisting and this, you know, this intensity. But done beautifully, almost like an Ensel Adams, instead of a landscape, it's it's two men fucking each other. I'm like, okay, cool. But then all of a sudden he does pictures of flowers and you're like, this is incredible. You know, it's like wow, people have been lying to me about how obscene this is. I think it's absolutely beautiful, and I'm not gay, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, these two men are beautiful, and they're doing their thing, and oh, there's you know, Maplethorpe with the uh, as Lucifer. How fucking cool is that? <laughs> so all this shit kind of influenced me with a punk, and and kind of came together. So that was my growing up.
1: Now that that's that's crazy. That's,
0: that's- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean I always got acceptance at home. It's actually been a pretty strong battle but yeah it's uh, they they don't entirely appreciate the artistic all the time but my stuff is a bit different so
1: i got you so what came first your love of film or music
0: i would say music because i spent a lot of time in new york going to um the opera and i I absolutely love the symphony and today the opera is like I, i i don't I don't go to big concerts anymore. Like a lot of bands, like music today, like Black Keys just came to Dallas. I fucking love the Black Keys, but I'm yes, like, I don't oh, know. Oh, you agree? You you dig the Keys? Yes. Oh my god, I love the Black Keys, and uh, and I'm like, oh, they're coming to American Airlines Center, which is this massive, mm-hmm. massive location. Obviously, by the name, you could tell. And and I'm sitting here, and I'm like, yeah, but the crowds and this, I just don't know. No, no, no. But the minute an opera comes, you know, it's like, oh my god, Don Giovanni's here. I'm like, I'll be the first in line. like, come on, come on, come on. Take it, take it, take it, Like, I, I just, I, music was a huge influence for me. And then film came after, and, you know, my my folks introduced me to some eclectic stuff and then branching out on my own. And that's why I started finding things like, you know, Kev Anger and a lot of the experimental work. And uh, David Lynch, who's my hero, he's God the father to me, music, I mean, uh, artistically.
1: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, David Lynch is really good. He's very, very oh, good.
0: Yeah, I, I got a good buddy of mine, and uh, he's a musician here in in town. And he and I share the same like schoolgirl fascination with David Lynch. And he'll write <laughs> me and be like, "Oh my God, David Lynch did an interview," and I'm like, "Oh, I'll exclaim!" And so it's pretty it's, <laughs> it's pretty bad. And then he, he just did a uh, couple of new interviews. So we were we were with uh, one was with Patty Smith, who's like my my goddess. That's the god and the goddess to me right there. That's that's pretty epic.
1: So. That is epic. Uh, musically, uh, who would you say are some of your influences?
0: Well, <coughs> excuse me, it runs all over the board, really. I mean, I love things that are um, the classical, the. the <coughs> excuse me, pardon me one second. Oh, it's all good. Ah. Um, <coughs> It kind of runs um, all the way from the classical, like I was saying, to stuff like, um, you know, Nine Inch Nails, the 90s stuff, um, um, punk rock, I mean, just Frank Sinatra, um, Enya, Enigma. So basically a whole spectrum, just about everything except (laughs) Tejano.
1: No, but that, that's good. I, I like that you have such a, a wide variety uh, of musical styles that you like. Because yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I could listen to, you know, Sinatra one day and then the keys the next. And I could listen to, you know, some, some heavy rock and then, you know, something more bluesy the next day. So it, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's good to have that kind of variety.
0: Oh, I agree. I mean, if you look at my iTunes, it's actually quite funny because it, if it's just a random selection of music, you just sit there and you're like, oh, that's cool. Zen meditation, introspection, you know, this and this. And then all of a sudden it comes up into Combi Christ, you know, and you're just like, oh, shit, Jesus, what, what the fuck just happened there? And then all of a sudden it switches back over. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really because I, I just see that within music, there's always something to be gained. You know what I mean, and even like just even the shittiest Hollywood film has some quality to it. Has some spark of some yes. some truth that you can gain. Alistair Crowley even said that about a religion. That no matter how flawed a religion is, there's always going to be that little bit of spark that has truth in it. So I always think there's something to gain from uh, music, from film, from anything, even stuff you usually wouldn't watch.
1: What about uh, film-wise? Who would you say are some of your influences there?
0: Uh definitely David Lynch, um mm-hmm. Kenneth Anger, uh Arnofsky, Um
1: I like Arnofsky a lot.
0: Oh man. I'm, yeah, I'm crazy about him. I mean, it's I love um Terry Gilliam. I mean, just absolute genius. And um, basically, anything kind of eclectic and different. John Waters is just you know just amazing to me. And he was also been a big influence. I can't believe I forgot to mention him, but he's been a huge influence on me because I just love that whole idea of I mean, pink Flamingos, I think, is an underrated masterpiece. And I mean, it's you know, so any director that takes chances or is risky, like Fritz Lang, I mean, he was driven and met me you was know, just wild and crazy. and I, I love that. I love anything that's just boundary pushing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 totally agree with that. Um, how, how exactly did you get involved with film?
0: Well, I started in, um, about 2009. I started doing music, um, pre, uh uh, just before that, actually a couple of years, just to backtrack, a couple of years before that I was in a band, I was playing drums. I played drums for years and then the band broke up and, you know, as things go. And then I moved into DJing cause I was like, you know, I don't want to join another band, another band, another band. I'm getting tired of this. I just want to focus on creating music. And I realized the best way to do that is to do it alone because I could take the creative direction. I take all the responsibility and I want to do things in my own way. So I started making my own music. And then as I fell after, 12 albums i was like you know what i'm i've reached that point where i've, I've said everything i can say and i've done everything i want to do i did a I, I did an opera i've done you know it's industrial noise to dance to <clears throat> politically charged music or um gobt gay rights issues to uh technology overtaking our lives i mean i've covered the kind of the whole spectrum i was like i think it's time to branch in a film because i was doing these music videos i'm like wait a minute, i could stretch this out and stretch it out stretch it out stretch it out so that's basically what happened and then i, I went through a um, really 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 bad breakup <laughs> involving um uh, just suicide attempts not by me but by her uh oh, wow! Knives, knives being hurled yeah it, it, knives and threats to my life and it, her getting dragged away to a psych ward it was, it was pretty much a total nightmare mess and that sucks went, man yeah, it, it was bad. It was it was seriously, seriously bad. But the good thing that came out of it was I wanted to capture all the madness from what I experienced. And I was like, this has been the craziest goddamn six months of my fucking life. Like, just unhinged, just you know, unstable. I mean, yeah. Drugs, alcohol, abuse. I Just total madness that I've had to be around and witness. So I'm going to sit down. I'm going to shoot a film that describes that. So that's why I also branched and just did my first film. So that's how it got started. And I just took it off from there. What was your first film? It's called Peacock. Uh, It's about an hour long experimental film. And it's, uh, it's about a man who's searching the world for his muse. And uh, it's, there's no dialogue. It's entirely done with music that I wrote. And it's basically about six films on top of one another at varying degrees. But it's a real trippy. It's pretty much a head trip experience. I mean, it's, it's uh what i like to call sort of dark dark psychedelic i mean it's for like the 60s instead of feel good like oh god i feel so happy i'm just a big cloud and oh look at that that's the sunshine this is like (laughs) oh god there's a guy with a there's a naked guy with a snake running around his cock i think i'm going to lose my fucking mind so um i actually deliberately (laughs) the funniest thing was to really capture the film i deliberately went crazy and i did that through sleep deprivation so what i did was um and it took about about two months of editing, and I forced myself to sleep only about two hours a night. Holy so shit! Two months, yeah, I, I literally, yeah, you literally start going crazy, and it was, it was. I can wild. imagine. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I'm taking on a subject about insanity, so it, how can I create this without being crazy? So I basically just started to uh, stay up by any means necessary. Lots of coffee and lots of alcohol and uh, got about two hours of sleep at night and would come home and just edit and edit and edit the film. And then you start to, it's not a joke, you start to hallucinate, you start to see shit and hear shit that is just trippy, like shadows that move in front of you and you're sitting there editing a film and all of a sudden you swear you see a hand run across your face and you turn around and the creepiest fucking thing, the creepy, creepy fucking thing about this was I was doing all the editing in a basement loft that had two windows about the size of shoeboxes. Oh, was, man. So it was like 1,250 square foot loft all concrete in a bu- building that was built in God 1890? So, wow. I mean, just old building, haunted. I had, I had a psychic friend saying like, holy crap, it's off the charts in this place. And, was, <laughs> and I'm sitting there and yeah, it was just absolute delirium and by the time I'd finished I just collapsed and so but I did something right so I, I won best actor award for the London Film Awards which made me happy but I don't think I deserved it but I was just walking around naked in a mask but <laughs> still works
1: <laughs> if there were some type of like lifetime dedication award I would give it to you easily <laughs> you would win it every year for the rest of your life that's insane man thank you wow it was, I, it was it- there's no way I could do that.
0: Yeah, you, 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 it was it was quite an experience. I mean, I, yeah, it was and the going into the building and the whole thing was shot in the building. And I had so many great people be a part of it. They were just absolutely wonderful. And I was like, hey, I got a crazy fucking idea. I want to do this. Sure, why not? You know, and I was like, yay. So, yeah, it was just this delirium of madness. And like I said, you start to hallucinate. You start to hear things. I would hear giggling and be like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and then you start pacing I mean I never did drugs that entire time it was just alcohol, just coffee but swear you start walking around it's like oh my god this is like an after school special for meth because I'm pacing <laughs> and my dog is looking at me like yeah you need an intervention and I'm like no I must make the movie and go crazy so it was it, It's like Francis Ford Coppola, just going, kind of going crazy doing Apocalypse Now so it, it was fun
1: so when that whole process was over how long did you sleep when you finally slept?
0: That's the funny thing. I probably slept like 12 hours, and that was it, because I think the world record's like two straight weeks someone stayed up, and they ended up sleeping like nine or ten hours afterwards because your body can recover so incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. So I, I slept. I mean, I felt groggy the next day, but at the same time, I was like, no, I'm, I'm feeling okay. I didn't touch a movie or a camera for about six months. Like, oh, fuck all that. I'm not <laughs> doing that. I
1: don't blame you at all. Yeah, I was
0: like... <laughs> And the the reviews have been the funniest thing ever because I like for some odd reason England fucking loves it and awesome. like the. I had one critic say, I don't know if this should be in a theater or in a museum because it's a true work of art. I'm like, Oh my God. Dude, that, wow. That's a fantastic get, compliment. It is. that's it probably my favorite compliment of all time. And you know, I, I get, I don't get like, I don't get puffed up about that. I get humbled. I'm like, Oh shit, man. Thanks. That's really cool. I mean, you know, and, but then on the other end of the extreme, the like, this is a fragmented, you know, piece of shit, messed up main mind tripping, you know, acid induced sex film. And I'm like, thank you. That means so much you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you meant that as an insult, but God, I'm really touched. Like I won the Academy Award. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Uh,
1: just out of curiosity, <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh, you have a dog.
0: What kind of dog do you have? Oh, <clears throat> I had a dog. He he passed away in March. Oh, uh, he was I'm a sorry. German no, that's that's okay. He was he had cancer and uh, oh. he died in my arms in my in my studio. So it's where his favorite place was, right next to me. And now I have his ashes and a candle and his picture. So he's never never away from me. He's always close. I gotcha. I yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Was, d-
1: dogs are, are awesome companions.
0: Yeah. He was, uh, I had him for about 10 years and he uh, saw me through some, some rough times. So he saw me through my divorce and saw me through some, some bad, bad places. But I always knew he, um, he was there. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Yeah. They're, good they're great for that. Yeah, especially having a big dog like a shepherd, which is just—I don't know if you have shepherds or been around them much, but they're just big goofballs. That are the minute yeah. they hear on the door, it's like, oh, someone's gonna die. <laughs> you know, so it's, I'm a queen. I want to—I want you to pet me and love me. Oh my god, I must kill. Oh, okay, that's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> he saved me from a home invasion, so he—he he definitely earns his—earns his keep that night. So,
1: oh, absolutely. So after you finished with Peacock, you said that you didn't touch a camera for six months. When when you did, when you decided to make something else, what did you make after that?
0: I did. um, I made a film called uh, Words of the Damned. And um, that's my most recent film that came out um, towards the end of last year. And um, that was actually inspired by my uh, fiancé, a love letter I wrote to my fiancé at the time. And it was, um, uh, I just, I was struck by it. And I struck by her and I just wanted to write her a love letter. And so I wrote it, I gave it to her and she loved it. And I remember thinking about it afterwards going, wait a minute, that's that's kind of cool and i started running through my head i'm like what if this could be my next film so the whole film starts and you hear the in the opening scene um where the protagonist reads the actual love letter and that was the inspiration for the whole film but i chose to take it towards a darker road so that that's uh and the, the whole film is about a woman whose uh, fiance dies and mm-hmm. in the dream she re he reads to her this letter and gives her a note and says you know when you wake up you'll know what to do and she she wakes up and the note is actually right next to her on the bed, and so she has to find him so that they can be together forever. Wow, that's that's
1: pretty powerful. Thanks. <clears throat>
0: it's uh, not a happy ending though. <laughs> well, I'll, so,
1: I'll I'll keep that in mind whenever I watch it. Yeah. Um, going from you said Peacock was your first film, and then Words of the Dam was your second. Was was it any easier making that second film than it was the first one? Just like from a pure technical aspect
0: yeah that's a good question it was it was a little di- it was different in many ways it was easier because <laughs> frankly I knew I wouldn't have to edit it because it's a lot less experimental it's still dreamlike it's um, very exp- it's still kind of atmospheric and ethereal but at the same time it's not as like mind trip as Peacock and I wanted to make it a little bit easier to kind of embrace but um, the film uh, was a lot easier for the editing but the shooting was I was bringing in people but they had to know their lines uh, which they all did a great job but they had to know their lines and we had to get the lighting just right and everything like this and you know Peacock was hey how can we fuck up this film and make it all trippy and mind blowing whereas this it's like no actually you have to see the actors you actually have to hear them you have to so it was just a totally different experience so it was just, it was really different.
1: Yeah. Um, from there, uh, one specific thing I wanted to ask you about um, was something called Catalyst, Whereas mm-hmm. the choose your advent, uh, choose your ending thing. It reminded me of those old choose your adventure books that I used to read when I was younger. And I, like, I read the description. I was like, that's really, really cool. Because I, I love those books growing oh, up. Yeah. And I, I think doing stuff like that with film, I wish more people did it. Yeah, because it, it, people people really love interaction. They love interacting with things, and I, I think that that was a really good idea to do Thank that.
0: You. Yeah, I was really excited about that. That was because, uh, I mean, my background is web design and graphic design. I mean, I, I went to school for anthropology and graphic design and, and creative advertising. So that's always been ingrained in me and kind of in a way, my you know, my dad being the business side, my mom being the creative kind of coming together. And that's why I went <laughs> to advertising. But I, I've been studying HTML5 and advanced coding. And I thought, you know, why can't you make a choose-your-own-adventure movie? Because William Castle someone else is a huge influence on me. And I don't know if you're um, really familiar with his work. but Um, he would do kind of gimmicks like he would have people sign a form that would say if you die during this film you'll win a thought you'll get a your family gets thousand dollars for insurance it's insurance policy or he would have the tingler where he would put these devices under the chairs and a particular part in the film the whole chair would start to vibrate so it felt like you know he'd scream the tinglers in the theater and all of a sudden the chairs would certain chairs would vibrate and people would scream so i mean it was kind of that gimmick and i I mean, where I see the future of films, because I think in general, people are just bored with movies, they're bored with music, they're bored with this, and they're bored with that. We're looking to combine those elements. So if we can make a choose-your-own-adventure movie, and where people could say, download an app, and then all of a sudden they sit there and they go, well, let's see here, you know, who's going to win? Who, you know, should the person die or should they live? Well, if we could make it where in a film you're sitting there and you actually, the audience determines the fate of the character. So, in a microcosmic level, that's exactly what I was doing with this. I mean, it's, it's HTML5 encoded so that it's actually an interactive video. So, when the character's running, it comes to a stop and sees a door, do you should the character keep running or should they go through the door? Well, no matter what you choose, whichever one you choose, sets the new path for the character. And Choose Your Own Adventures were a huge influence. I love those books as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I actually got an F on a book report because my teacher said, you can do a book report on any book you want. So, I did a Choose Your Own Adventure. And she's like, "Well, it's going to be different every time." I'm like, yeah, but this is my adventure. <laughs> so you know, that, that's to me, it's like I think that kind of fun playfulness is missing in music and film today. I think it's it's fun to do things like that, take chances.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and I, I do agree that people are becoming a little bored with music and movies, and television is kind of. Changing that with the whole streaming media like Netflix and Hulu where people – they don't have to be in front of their TV every, say, Monday to watch Gotham or Wednesday to watch Arrow. You can either DVR it or just wait till it comes out on Netflix or Hulu and just binge watch it.
0: Exactly, and then you can also just grab your iPad and sit in a cafe, and you can watch uh, Walking Dead, which I love. Ha ha! Mm-hmm. And you can watch that and put the headphones on, and you could miss the entire season. All of a sudden, boom! There it is. So, I mean, the whole idea of cable, you know, and all that—it's so antiquated. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, that's where I see the real future of things is, is the interactivity. Yeah, I, the, I the agree. Context. Yeah.
1: I agree 100%. Mhm.
0: That's so another reason I stopped doing music is cuz I was like music's starting to become a dead end not just from a creative point of view but from globally. I mean, it, you know, the dream of I want to be a rock star is dead. I yeah. mean, it's it literally is dead. I mean, there are some people that are, can make it but it's the numbers are even lower than they used to be.
1: Yeah, one of uh, one of my first guests actually was in a band when he was younger and he says compared to now, cause they actually uh, went on tour with three doors down oh, when wow. they were in their heyday. And he says, you know, then compared to now rock is dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I mean, you know, when, when anyone can grab a buy a Mac and get it, get their, get garage band and start laying stuff out and record and, you know, quote unquote studio. I mean, you say studio back, 15 years ago, studio was, oh, my God, this, you know, massive, massive mixing board and $500 mics. And nowadays, it's just like, um, yeah, we're, we've really moved on from that. We're making films with iPhones. Yeah. I, you know, it, I mean, it's the whole transition for, you know, and now music is a Mac. I mean, I'm on a Mac right now, and it comes with GarageBand for free. You lay out the music, you record the vocals, good mic, bam, done. Who needs a, you know, fuck record companies, fuck movie studios. I Yeah, mean, exactly. You know, the, the positive thing is the fact that it gives the power to the artists. Yes. The negative thing is that that means that every asshole with a phone and a video camera thinks they're the next Fellini, and that's not true.
1: Yeah, a lot of people say, "Oh, well, anybody can run a camera or anybody can yeah. record this," but no, that's that's not true. You have to have you have to have that creativity. You have to have that knowledge to really great. be able to make something great. Because yeah, you anybody can, you know point a camera at something and shoot it, but they may not know the right angle to shoot it where it will just look so much better with subtle changes and things like that. So, you know, I I always... It's it's to the point now where I actually laugh when I hear people say something like that. Oh, well, anybody can can make that.
0: Right, right. Exactly. No, that's true. I mean, it takes a real talent. And, I mean, you can... You, you look at all the directors, and I mean, you take Spielberg, John Waters, you, you run the whole spectrum, you know, J.J. Abrams. I mean, no matter who you choose, you, you just tell them, okay, make, you know, shoot a one-minute clip of this kid playing in a playground, and you are going to get the most vastly different work from across the board. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's just it, – I mean – even my own experience is you, you take a film, you take a scene, you suddenly slow down the speed and put in dramatic music, and all of a sudden it becomes this sweeping, moving, romantic scene. You speed it up and throw in some heavy music, and all of a sudden you get pumped and wired and the scene's exciting. Well, it's the same scene, you know, So, to each own.
1: Yeah. And one of the last things I wanted to ask you, I have to ask every filmmaker this, some of your favorite movies growing up and some of your favorite movies currently
0: uh definitely like fountainhead and and aliens um there's a a film from al pacino uh, that was done years ago when i was growing up i saw it it was called cruising it's about the uh, gay leather scene and there's a murder in the gay leather scene i i I find that's just it was a strong influence on me and i found it fascinating um this sense of another culture that was behind the squeaky clean facade that we saw that was a that was a big influence and probably one of my favorites and then right today it's it's you know anything david lynch Uh, like i said he to me can't do any wrong i I just i really admire him and um but i also like fun light stuff you know i love watching i mean it's not a movie it's a tv show but i mean i love watching archer and just and archer is
1: great i love archer oh my
0: god. it's it's my come down i pour myself a gin in time like i prop my feet up and i throw on an archer and i just laugh my ass <laughs> off i'm like oh i'm totally relaxing but you know it, it's the stuff that influenced me back in the day still influences me and i still love today i mean i i think i mean i'm not a star trek fan at all but i think what abrams did with with uh, the star trek fan was genius yes incredible. i was blown away i was like Okay, I'll check it out. And I watched it. I was like, okay, this is pretty damn amazing. you know So that I really give props to newer directors like that that I didn't know of when I was growing up.
1: Yeah, Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, it, visually, it was just so amazing. It, it just okay. blew me away.
0: Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, and I'm not a Star Wars fan either, but I saw the trailer to the new one that's coming out that he's done. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually want to see that <laughs> I'm like, well, that's really damn impressive
1: yeah i i think he's going to do a very good job yeah. with the star wars movie um a funny archer story that i want to tell you since i'm talking with one of the few people i know that watch archer i Sweet. can tell this story too um we had a, a 5k here uh, where i live i live in northwest florida ah. and and we uh we had a 5k but it was zombie themed
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And what we would do was we – it shut down pretty much all of downtown Pensacola, and we had five different stations where zombies would be hidden. And as the runners go through, the zombies swarm them and try to rip off their flag. And if, oh, they, and if they rip off their flag, it, they become infected, so they become a zombie oh, as well. But That's the
0: coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. It's a genius concept. That. It is. It's is it, so. It,
1: it's so good. I, it, I heard it about it for the first time on uh, the show Comic Book Men that yeah, Kevin Smith does.
0: Oh, I love Kevin Smith so much. Yeah, yeah I, I went
1: to his Q and A in Orlando last month, and he was great.
0: Oh, that's cool. Red, uh, Red State is that blew me away. I was Red like, State
1: was so good. I was like,
0: oh my god! And the I mean, you really got to go above and beyond to like get under my skin and make me go wow that was cause i've seen some shit where people are like i'm gonna puke and i'm like what are you talking about this is hilarious Pass me a hot dog. <laughs> and i gotta say the scene where the the guy had the um the cellophane attached when he was yeah uh, yeah yeah, I, yeah and they they shoot that like cool it was so gritty and yeah brief. that really got me i mean the, stuff like that just the realism gets me so yeah i thought that was a brilliant movie
1: yeah, it it was it was really really good. But the uh I was working one of the zombie stations and we had it set up where it looked like think of the interstate from season 1 of the walking dead where you just got cars everywhere.
0: Yes, yes, yes. yes.
1: And zombies would hide, you know, behind the cars and uh-huh. like behind street posts and everything. And it was me and one other guy that was running the uh uh, the station, and when a group of runners came by, and you know, it's it's mass chaos. It's just fantastic yeah, yeah. to watch. And I, I look at the guy it's that.
0: Oh,
1: okay, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look at the guy that I'm working with, and I was like, "If I'm, have you ever seen Archer?" And he was like, "Yeah, I love Archer." And I said, "So, would you say that we're in a zone of danger?" <laughs> <laughs> And he just laughed and he's like, "Yes, yes, yeah. we are in a zone of danger." <laughs> that
0: but no, is awesome.
1: Yeah, the but yeah, the zombie run was, was a lot of fun, and whoever came up with that is an absolute genius. Because I would love to actually participate in one of those runs. Like I haven't got to yet. We've had two here in the area, but I've worked both, but I haven't had a chance to run one yet.
0: That is really cool. That would be hu- – I think that would be huge around here because they do – Oh, really- absolutely. Zombie stuff is re- – like zombie film, I mean almost weekly I hear. Who wants to be a zombie this weekend? Who wants to be a zombie this weekend? And, you know. So I think that would really do well down here.
1: Texas could kill I it
0: mean- with that. Oh. Uh- Oh god, it would be so much fun! And I got about a, a lot of friends who are, are runners, and then a lot of friends who are into zombies. So that that's a really original idea. See, that's what we're talking about though—combining those things. You know, you're combining kind of the the, the themes, and the excitement of, of theater and film mixed with running. Well, if you say, "Hey, we're doing a, a run this weekend," eh, it's a zombie run. But this, it's like, wow, it's amazing. So think yeah. yeah, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any film projects that you're working on currently?
0: Uh, I do. I'm um, I'm working right now on a documentary version of uh, the, A Modest Proposal by Jonathan Swift. So I'm taking I've the screenplay's done and I found a host who's gonna. It's basically gonna be. Do uh, you ever read The Onion? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, just about everybody does. Uh, it's basically gonna be like a sort of a. F- dark, humor-themed story of uh, based on a modest proposal. Have you ever read it? I have not. Okay. Uh, it was written 18th, seven, 18th century, 1780-something. Um, but anyways, it's a satirical pamphlet which um, in which Jonathan Swift says that the Irish should sell their children to the English for food. So the Irish are the ones that have the kids, the English are the ones that have the money. So th- I'm doing a film version of that where I'm basically going to have a host walking around and talking to chefs and then um, explaining why it'd be so important and how it'd be for the good of the nation. So instead of having these poor children to grow up to be thieves and beggars, just like their parents, we'll sell the children so that the English can have them as, um, as cuisine. So it's, uh, it's pretty dark, but it's, it's, all done, uh, it's all done in satire.
1: Cool. 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 Yeah, yeah that, that that would be that'd be very interesting to see for sure. But uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, do you have any website or uh, social media info you'd like to plug?
0: Yeah, um, you, my website is uh, FrauSun F R A U S U N dot com, and um, if you just type that into Google, you'll find me everywhere else. IMDb, Twitter. Um, Facebook. Facebook is just Facebook.com forward slash Frostson. I mean that's you I can mean, just hop on right there and just just add me. I'm the only Frostson there is. And that's <laughs> it. sounds <laughs> Like there's only one Superman or there's only one Batman. No, like that's that's yeah, it's just that's the only one.
1: There's only one Frauson. <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
0: There's only one. There can be only one. Very high.
1: There, there can be only one. I love it.
0: So if I see another Frostson and be like, oh ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Centuries has taken to get to this, this moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brother. Yeah.
1: All right, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun.
0: Good. Thank you. I had a great time.
1: Big thanks once again to Kurtz Frausen for coming on the show and having that really fun conversation. Next week, we will be welcoming comedian Kevin Bartini to the show. And he is open for both The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, and has a new album coming out, so that should be a fun one as well. And don't forget, you can check out all of our shows on the NerdCave Network. We have the NerdCave Podcast on Tuesday, Fist of Monkey on Wednesday, and of course, the Derek Diamond Experience on Thursday. You can find all three of those shows on iTunes and NerdCaveNetwork.com. So hopefully you all enjoy the rest of your week, have a fun weekend, and we will see you guys next Thursday.